0: 2 Peter 1, verse 3 and 4 again. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and excellence. Through these, He has given us His very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. May I begin today by reminding us that God's Word is so filled with meaning and promise and hope that we cannot afford to just skim over any portion of His Scriptures. Too often we do that. Too often our minds are doing the things that we speak about in today's culture where we are multitasking. Half our mind is on the reading that's taking place at the moment, but the other half is somewhere else something we just did or something that we're going to get involved in. And unfortunately, sometimes our Bible reading, though, is also just one of those other checklists, one of those other items on our checklist. That agreement that we made with ourselves that we're going to read at least one chapter a day or some other reading plan. And so we read or we scan over it and then we check that off of our list. We did our Bible reading. And then we go on to the next item on the list. May I plead with us to not let that take place with our daily Bible reading. Each verse is so filled with precious words of promise. We dare not miss out on what's being said. Just every word is so very important. And that's especially so with these words of our text today. If words with meaning and application, words that are essential to our having confidence in these promises, especially that are given to us here in verse 4. And the power behind verse 4 is in verse 3. Let me read it again. His divine power, verse 3, His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and excellence. That sets the strength behind, verse 4. Through these He then has given us His very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. Verse 4 promises us that we can actually participate in the very nature of God. His divine nature. And that by doing that, we can actually escape the corruption in the world because we are now no longer controlled by our own evil desires. Think about that. I remember when I was a far worse mess than I am today. I still don't do it as I'd like to. But my life is so much different than it used to be. And it's this. It is this that's taking place. You and I can actually participate in the very nature of God Himself, His divine nature. And as we do that, we then are able to escape the temptations that come to us through our own evil desires that used to take control of us. It is God's divine power, though, that stands behind that promise. And we desperately need it. It's power that only He has and you and I are never going to be able to muster by our own strength. It's His power and God's power alone that enables us to have this life and godliness. I mentioned in the last message that His very breath, the very breath of Christ flowing through our lungs, through our bloodstream, the very thoughts of God flowing through our mind the very desires of God's heart energizing our thoughts and emotions. That's His divine nature taking place in us, enabling us to be as we have never been before and to do as we've never done before. Surprising our own souls with hopes and dreams and behaviors that delight our hearts. And may I ask you, do you experience that because you should be If you are not, then you need to spend another few hours on these two verses. Because this is real. It takes place. I know. Because I experience it. And so should you. God's divine godliness is able to flow through us. It's all part of this promise that God is making to us here. And it's a promise that's one-sided. It's one-sided. It is His promise to us. It's a promise that He cannot not fulfill. In other words, God is bound by His own promise to do these things that He tells us about here. Here in verse 3, He words it that He has called us by His own glory and excellence. A word you should not scan over. A word that you should dig into. Find out its meaning. What does it mean that God called us? What does it mean that God called you? Let me read these words from Romans 8, beginning in verse 29. For those whom He, God, foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son. He wants you and me to be in the very image of His Son. In order that He might be the firstborn among brothers, that's Christ, and those, listen, and those whom He predestined He also called he called. And those whom He called, He also justified. And those whom He justified, He also glorified. That's what it means to be called. It's an irresistible unction. A drawing that is implanted within our souls by God Himself to come to Christ and be justified. To be saved. To be sanctified. That is that whole complete pathway all the way from being a wretched sinner into salvation and eternal life with Christ in heaven. And it's guaranteed. It's guaranteed by His promise. And all that you and I have to do, the only part that you and I have to do within this whole transaction is simply surrender ourselves to it. Do you believe that? It is a requirement on our part. So yes, there is something that we do have to do. We do have to surrender. We must have Christ as our Savior. Listen to these words. These are the words that I gave in the last message. 1 John 5. And this is a testimony that God has given us eternal life and this life is in His Son. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. So you and I must receive Christ in order to have all the rest of these promises fulfilled in us. But once we have received Christ then all the rest of these promises are ours and they are guaranteed by the divine power of God Himself. Listen to this, verse 4 again. Through these, he's talking about through God's divine power and glory and excellence, through the life and godliness that He puts within us, through these He has given us His very great and precious promises. These are promises of God. He cannot not fulfill them. He has given us His very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. That which used to control you and me needs no longer to control us. Now here He's speaking of great and precious promises. What are those great and precious promises that God's making to us? He's promising us that if we will give our hearts fully to Him, And that if we'll receive Him into our souls, then immediately we will... And He uses a particular word here that's so important. You have to dig deep into this. That we will begin to participate in His divine nature. That we'll actually take part in His nature. That is such an important word for you and me to grasp. Participation. In the last message, we close by saying that this word participation is a very, very precious promise and very different from the confusion that many Christians have had when they first come to Christ. Sadly, many believers in Christ receive Him and then go about trying to imitate Christ. We saw that back many years ago with the What Would Jesus Do movement. Now that was good in so many ways but it had some problems. It was a good thing, but it lacked His power in so many people. Probably that be so. It's because when we're just trying to imitate Christ, we're much like an actor playing a part. We figure out what He's like and we try to act like Him. We do not become Him. We don't participate in Him. We simply act like Him. That has some good things to it. But it lacks His power. It's like a child putting on a costume of a superhero and beginning to try to act like one. Now again, imitating Christ is often good. And we're told to do that in Ephesians chapter 1. It says to be imitators of Christ. But we have to be careful. You and I are coming out from a nature that's filled with sin. And because of that, our imitations are often fraught with that old danger of self that we're trying to get away from. Self will take back over in a hurry. Here God is giving us a better opportunity and a promise. Here He's telling us that we can actually participate in His very own nature. His divine nature. His nature that is perfect in every way. And if we can cross that boundary from imitation into participation, if you can... Spend time with the Holy Spirit. saying, what does this mean? What does this mean in my life? God will take you there. You'll get to actually know about His breath actually flowing through you. The blood of Christ flowing through your own bloodstream. That's what He promises. But it does require surrender and it's a continual surrender and that's why we sing this, I need thee every hour. It is a moment by moment surrender to Christ. And if we're willing to do that, then that life-giving breath of Christ that we talked about in the last message, it truly will flow through our lungs, enabling us to do things that we've never done before. We'll be able to think and behave very differently from anything we've ever experienced before. Do you ever wish for that for yourself? I wish that for myself. I wish that for my family. I wish that for you. Because it's real. It is that step on past coming to church every Sunday. It's this relationship that you dig into with the person of Christ. And it can be ours. The Holy Spirit has been poured out upon us and there is an unction within us. He has set eternity within our souls, we're told. We know that it's out there. And you and I just have to reach for it. What are the problems? What are the the obstacles. Well, it's this darkness that we have been studying about back in the book of Ephesians. And it's not just a preacher story to say you and I are born into a state of death. We are born dead. We are stillborn children. Did you know that? You were a stillborn child, spiritually. Listen to this. John 3. So familiar with John three sixteen, I'll read it first. But do you ever read the verses right after John three sixteen? We usually stop right there. But listen to this. So John three sixteen: For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. And then seventeen, for God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through Him. And listen to these next words. Whoever believes in Him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already. Condemned already. Because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. Condemned already. These words really can't be any more clear and plain. As you and I then are born into this world, we come in not believing in Christ. Not one soul that has ever come onto this earth with the exception perhaps of Adam and Eve. But after that point, no one has come in believing in God. That's what he's saying here. And if you and I don't make an intentional choice to believe, then we are condemned already. So we come in stillborn. And as we're told there in Deuteronomy 30, choose life. Today I've set before you life and death. Blessings and curses. Choose life. The condemnation is already in place the moment you and I are born. You and I must make an intentional choice. Whoever does not believe is condemned already, says verse 18, because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And then verse 19, listen. And this is a judgment. The light has come into the world and people loved darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his works should be exposed. We have this kind of a natural, we want to hide because we know we're doing things wrong. It's very similar though, those words are, to these words that we're studying in 2 Peter 1, where it says that we can escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. It's part of who we are in that darkness it's a spiritual kind of darkness. People love darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. We come in with an with a inborn propensity to want things that are not right, things that are self-centered. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light, does not come to the light, lest his works would be exposed. Again, I said this perhaps the last time. Why do we not have a full church here? Because there's light here and people love darkness and they do not want to come into the light. That's why most churches have empty pews. You'll recall we studied in the book of Ephesians all about what takes place in that darkness. Let me just remind us of that. Verse 12 of chapter 6 of Ephesians 4. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood but against principalities against powers against rulers of the darkness of this age against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places the demonic world is all in amongst us we studied about that in Sunday school in the book of Job so I would ask you when you look around you right now do you see light or darkness I'm not talking about the sun's light as I was thinking through this it was something I've said to you on other occasions this statement that Billy Graham makes often, and that is, or used to make often. He said that half the people in churches don't know Christ. They they aren't. They have not really received Christ as their Savior. If this church had 500 people in it, 250 of them would be in darkness. That's a difficult thought. That they would be sitting in this realm of darkness even while they're sitting inside of a church. That's hard to fathom that they would be sitting in this church and half the people would be worshiping in the Lord and the other half would be dealing with principalities and powers and rulers of darkness. All that's hard to fathom, but it's real. How do I know it's real? Scriptures say it plain and clear because those heavenly places are all around us. Our only hope, our only protection is to have Christ and His blessed light shining within us and dispelling that darkness and they flee. All the realms of that darkness then flee. Those evil principalities and powers and rulers. If we don't come to that light, then you remain forever in this lost condition of darkness and then the corruption caused by those evil desires that he speaks about here. They're just ever present, every moment, and they control what's going on. I want to remind us that these words of First and 2nd Peter, they were written to Christians. So, if you're a believer, these are written to you. They're not just written to somebody who doesn't believe. This is what you should be experiencing. Just one of the problems as we come into this Christianity that we really don't want to deal with, and that is we bring a lot of that with us, that old stuff with us. And we're going to be talking about it, especially beginning next week. You and I have to somehow wash all that away. How do you wash all of it away? We'll talk about it next week, but it begins with the water of the Word. Precious promises that the Lord has for us. I'm running out of time before we close I want to give us a word of warning the world, the flesh and the devil are very jealous lovers of our soul all of those enjoyments that you had in the past before you came to know the Lord even some that have come along since you have come to know the Lord they reach in and try to grab back hold of your and my soul they don't want to turn loose of our souls without a fight So as you and I step on towards this salvation that God is putting into us, we have reluctances. We don't want to give up certain things. Yes, we know that we were uncomfortable with those old ways. And I thought of the battered wife that's reluctant to leave her abusive husband. That's all that she knows, so she stays there. That's what you and I do. We hang on to some of that darkness. But God is saying to you and me, through this right here, He says there's a difference. There's a better way. One that's filled with great and precious promises. A life that we can participate in that's His own divine nature flowing through us. And because of that, you and I can escape. We can escape the clutches of those old ways and the evil desires. So let me leave you with these words. This is 1 John 2, beginning of verse 15. Love not the world, neither the things of this world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but it is of this world. And the world is passing away, fading away, and the lust of it thereof but he who does the will of God abides forever. Let's pray.